Tucson. Wow, I've never seen so many boats not near bodies of water. That park is all concrete. Look, there's a dog tied to our other dog. I think that guy with long hair is a lawyer. Look at all those students running for their lives. Joined here today in the student union at LCMSU with Dr. Roni Grad, all the way from Tucson, Arizona. How are you doing today, Roni? I'm doing better than I deserve, as my pastor would say. How are you? I am doing fantabulous. Uh, awesome. I love saying that. I know it's not a word, but it expresses how I'm feeling. Uh, and it's a it's awesome to have you on the radio program. I just saw you a couple of weeks, snuck down there when I was in Phoenix to go down to um, the University of Arizona campus ministry, and I want to hear a little bit about that. But uh, tell us your background. Now you are a professor, although you just recently retired, right? Give us a, what's your what's your story? What how are you in Tucson? What have you been doing, and what's going on with you? So I recently retired from the University of Arizona, where I was a clinical associate professor in pediatrics, and my specialty was pediatric pulmonology, meaning lung diseases in children, so diseases like asthma, cystic fibrosis, chronic lung disease of prematurity, complicated pneumonias, issues like that. And I did a lot of clinical work, um, occasionally gave talks, and had medical students and residents under my watch um, while they were in our clinic and on the wards. And we had also fellows in pediatric pulmonary. These are men and women who have completed their residency and are going on for further training to subspecialize. And uh, how long did you do that? How long were you at the University of Arizona? I moved back to Tucson in 2008. I had done my training here and was on the faculty for a few years at the start. Um, probably spent most of my professional career in Birmingham, Alabama, looking at the numbers, and that was for 10 years, and that was immediately before coming back to Arizona. We knew that we wanted to retire in the desert, and an opportunity um, came open, so we so grabbed it. Now, if I am not mistaken, you did some time right here in Albuquerque, didn't you? Back in the early 90s, that is correct. I love it. <laughs> so I'm familiar with the queue. Oh, yes. And uh, where were you? Uh, were you at UAB or University of Alabama Medical Center or what kind of thing? What were you doing in Birmingham? In Birmingham, I was at UAB doing the same thing. Okay. And where do you hail from? Where are you from originally? Originally, I was born in Detroit, Michigan. Okay. Well, excellent. And now you've retired, and you're not, you know, you're 58 years old, if I remember. You're 58, or you retired, and you're not doing any adjunct faculty, doing any writing. You doing any of that kind of stuff, or do you kind of do it cold turkey? 
I'm not. I I retired cold turkey, and it's giving me a lot more time to um, do volunteer work and help out with church activities. And so, if I recall, you you're a you're a deacon in training at your congregation at Catalina Lutheran uh, down that there. That is you, correct. You served it on one of our uh, synodical uh, uh, com- committees at the last convention. You you're gallivanting all over the world. Uh, you went and did the Holy Land thing. I mean, not the whole. Well, the German Holy Land. You went to uh, to Wittenberg and did that whole thing, right? That's so you correct. Had a chance to do all these types of things. And one of the things, and the reason why I wanted to have you on, and it's really, really quite simple, is that uh, you um, are very involved uh, with the campus ministry at the University of Arizona. Every time I've gone down there, I try to get down there whenever, whenever, I, have, whenever I have the chance. And, uh, and it's just wonderful to see you there. But to, to, I want to hear more about that. But to, just to back up, tell everybody a little bit about um, the University of Arizona and its campus ministry. Every campus ministry is structured a little bit differently. And so I like to highlight how these things work. How does campus ministry work at U of A there in Tucson? Well, U of A is a large land-grant university, and we have tens of thousands of students. I think we're in the 30s, but I don't know for sure. And um, our campus ministry um, is... um, is headed up by Pastor Joshua Palmer, who is also an assistant pastor at my congregation at Catalina Lutheran Church. And we have um, students from the campus who gather on Friday evenings for dinner um, first, and the dinner is prepared by various people in the community, um, LWML groups, Bible studies at congregations around the community, whoever. Um, Bring in dinner at 6 o'clock, have an hour of fellowship with the students, and then we do a um, um, we do an evening prayer um, liturgy, and then we have a Bible study, and this semester we're focusing on Romans. Um, so that is on Friday evenings. Sunday evenings, um, there is a, um, a worship service, um, and that is um, also officiated uh, by Pastor Palmer. And that used to be in the afternoon. They used to be Sunday afternoons at 1.30 at the Campus Christian Center um, yeah, right next to the campus. let's back up a little bit. Uh, tell everybody about sure. what is this? Not, a, not many places have what you have there in Tucson, this, this Campus Christian Center. What, what is this thing? The campus you, don't have, Christian... you don't have your own building. You don't have your own church, but it's kind of like a collective That is correct. This is a space that was built, I want to say in the 60s or 70s, I don't know for sure, but it was built by a number of um, church bodies in the community who collaborated on putting this together, and we share it. um, So the LCMSU, um, the Hold Fast Fellowship is what um, Pastor Palmer recently named it. It shares space with the um, ELCA group, with the um, United Methodist group, with the Episcopalian group, as well as the uh, Presbyterian group. And this Presbyterian group is the PCUSA, not the more conservative PCA. Sure. Although the pastors and the um, the people who have represented the Presbyterians have been um, pretty decent in term when you measure them up against the historical teaching of, of their church body. So we share this space. So different um, evenings and different times on Sunday, different groups use the facility for their, um, for their activities. And um, it has a chapel space. It has a common area where we have tables and people have um, 
where we have our dinner. We have a full service kitchen. Um, we have a conference room off to the side. So it's a, it's a nice, it's so not all, a huge facility, various, but it's very nice. the various nice. groups divide up the time? That's so correct. One group gets this night, another this, that, that's, gets that night. Then you'd carve out times on Sunday, and it's really close to campus. Very I, close, I right across the who, street. Does the, the collective kind of owns it? Doesn't everybody kind of own a sliver of this? Pretty much. One of the groups... I'm sorry? No, go ahead. Pretty much um, everybody owns it. I believe one of the groups doesn't have a, an ownership stake but rents it, rents, rents it from the others. But pretty much um, the collective owns it. And, uh, you, know, it's, you know, it's fantastic because you don't, you know, even though it would be wonderful to have your own building... And going back even like 12, 10, 11, 12 years ago, um, there had been an arrangement, I think it's fine to say this, that, that basically every other time a pastor was called the Lutheran group there, uh, it would be called to, and they would call an Elka pastor, and then the next time they would call a Missouri Synod pastor, and then the idea was they're supposed to call another ELCA pastor, and et cetera, and it kind of got to the point where that just wasn't happening and so in many ways, um, it's, it's something to be incredibly proud of and I think is a, a wonderful model. And i got to give props to, to my good buddy, Reverend Ian Pacey, and your friend uh, down there in Houston who helped, uh, who helped grease the skids for this many years ago, in which basically you have a mission society model, right? Yeah. So there, the Catalina Lutheran Church, which is what? It's a good 25, 30 minutes away. It yes. kind of helps to oversee And that's it. without traffic. And that's without traffic. Um, and they call the assistant, Pastor Pacey was there, now Pastor Palmer. And uh, one of the big things that they do is is work with the college students. But then you have people from a lot of the other congregations in the area that, that gather together uh, to kind of help uh, give support to this. And you yeah. know, while it'd be nice to have your own building... You know, you might not be able to ever have your own building if you didn't have, I mean, this is really a one, I mean, I, I don't want our listeners to think that there's all these ecumenical services going on all over the place. Well, that there could be, but they're not, they're not with our people. That's um, correct. But, uh, but you utilize your portion of the space. All the different campus pastors have their own offices there. There's joint kitchen facilities. It's, it's really a... It's really not a bad thing when you. Th I, I don't think it's a bad thing at all, but I have. No, that is correct. I have the there, there's one other thing I wanted to add yeah. while you were while you were describing the the setup. We have a board. You know, even though our pastor is from Catalina, um, the congregation that I'm at, um, we have a board that consists of members from. Our goal is every congregation. Not every congregation has sent board members, but any of the LCMS congregations in the area are more than welcome to send two board members and are encouraged to. And we are, we are um, members, our congregation is members is a member of the English district, and most congregations in Tucson are English district congregations, which is really unique. Sure. But we have some Pacific Southwest congregations in the area as well, and they also send board members. That's uh, just, it's awesome. I I just couldn't be prouder of all of you guys down there. And, and you know, when I had a chance to come down, I can't believe on a Friday night, you guys had 18, 18-ish students on about six or seven of the rest of you, Pastor Palmer's wife, another couple of the folks that brought in the food, yourself, another uh, young uh, mid-30s 
Probably shouldn't guess her age, Amy. Sorry, Amy, if you're a lot younger than that. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, it's interesting because, one, you have college students showing up on a Friday night, and it's going yeah. very well. But here's the question I have for you. This is what I want to talk about today. Why do you go? And I, I don't say that like, you know, inflection is everything. Why do you go? I don't mean it like that. I mean, I want people to hear why you go. Why are you involved? Here you are, 58 years old. You're just retired, longtime professor. Um, if I remember, you, you didn't have any children of your own with you and your wife, right? That's correct. And, and you go and you love it. And the young people love being around you and the others that aren't their age. Tell me about how you got involved with the U of A campus ministry. So ultimately, I do have to say this is part of God's call on my spectrum of vocational calls that he has called me to. So this is definitely this is definitely a God thing. I've got to say that up front. Um, But the way I first got involved, um, we had just moved to Tucson and um, I was coming from the Episcopal Church. And I had come to, how did I get into Synod? That's a whole other story. Just to make a long story short, uh, Pastor Rod Rosenblatt from California, he used to be on the faculty at Irvine, sure. came to visit our, our our church in Birmingham where I was. And he gave, um, he didn't, he, not, he did not preach. He did not um, commune with us, but he gave us a Bible study. And that's where I first heard of Missouri Synod. Mm-hmm. So clearly when the Episcopal Church was not doable anymore for me, um, Missouri, I made a beeline for Missouri Synod, and the differences in theology I felt were much stronger from the Lutheran perspective than from the Anglican. But anyways, be that as it may, I just had um, joined um, um, the Synod and had just taken the um, new member classes, um, and we were at a different congregation at the time. And after I was finished with the new member classes, I thought, well, how am I going to serve? And a newsletter came out from the congregation, which asked people to prepare dinners uh, for this campus ministry. And I was not familiar with the campus ministry, but there was an item in the newsletter that said, the students are being bombarded with secular, hyper-secular professors who are trying their best to draw them out of the faith. And we should go and encourage them as... Um, we should go encourage them in their faith by bringing dinners and spending time visiting with them and studying with them and the like. So I went up to the pastor. I said, well, I'm a faculty member there. Would it be helpful for them to see that not every fa- that, that it is possible to be a faculty member at a secular university <laughs> and be a Lutheran Christian? I said, would this be helpful? And so the pastor gave me Pastor Pacey's email address, and I emailed Pastor Pacey, and I told him exactly what I just told you. And I got an email back from Pastor Pace who said, I would love that. And I went, and I, my intention was, the, the the Bible studies were then on a Thursday evening, and my intention was to go maybe once a month or twice a month on Thursdays because I had meanwhile got involved in a small group sure. at my congregation. But I have to tell you, after when I started going, I just couldn't stop. Um, the... Um, the kids were awesome. I think it was nice for them to have a faculty member who was a belie- who is a believer. Um, I was getting so much out of the Bible study. I mean, Pastor Pacey did a magnificent job. We were going through Revelation at the time. The students were just brilliant and had brilliant observations and wonderful things to add. Well, and I have to say, tell you, wouldn't you say, Roni, that the you know when 
for many of our listeners out there, we sit here and we see all these snowflakes and every all the protests and safe spaces and all this insanity out there. But I don't know anybody that goes to campus ministry, whether you or from my perspective or anybody that just doesn't think, wow, we have such awesome young people. I have the greatest hope for the future of the church precisely because of these young people, don't you? Oh, absolutely. These are young people. First of all, they're really smart. They're really earnest. They want to learn. They want to know. And they want the real thing. They want the authentic faith. They oh, don't absolutely. want it. You know, there are a lot of people that assume that because they're young, they, you have to keep it simple and superficial. They want, they want the faith in, in all of its depth. And it's just I honestly have gotten a lot more out of campus ministry than I've put into it. Well. And um, I, I just think it's wonderful, and I would echo everybody's, uh, you know, one of the things that um, we hope to eventually do is to, to get more faculty types involved in their various subject matters to try to kind of get connected with young people that maybe are are learning. Uh, you know, I, I have this dream of having, a, I, I think I asked you to do it, we haven't done it yet, but the, this faculty lounge area online where uh, you know chemistry students can go ask chemistry profs who actually share their own faith you know questions about chemistry and they can network together and banter about things that chemistry people talk about <laughs> it's not my no absolutely it's not, it's not my thing but we have you know it's 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 interesting that uh, um, when I got into campus ministry I was told this is 20 years ago the whole idea was, only the 18 to 22 year olds should be there. And I remember instinctively saying, that's a bunch of crap. Um, yep. I, what, what do you mean only 18 to 22 year olds? And, and it was kind of like, you know, you mentioned that our young people want, they, they really want authenticity. Um, but they also don't like this hyper division that says, that says that the church, you know, I have to have, I mean, it almost diminishes how smart and how inclusive and how diverse they really are and their willingness that they want to be the body of Christ and whatever that means. And while they, I don't think they go looking for, I mean, they love to hang around people their own age, but we kind of have, we've so segregated the church up into this is for junior high kids. This is for high school kids. This is for college kids. This is for, you know, then they get out of college and they move somewhere and they're like, well, where's the place for me to go at the church now that I'm no longer in college? And I just want to scream out, it's called church. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we, exactly. You know, we do the same thing with our senior citizens, frankly. And you're not there yet, but we do the same thing where we expect everybody to kind of, you know, the, the ladies go and they quilt and nobody ever thinks, well, maybe the young gals would like to do that. Or, you know, and I always tell people, and this is really why I wanted to highlight, highlight you because I'm so darn proud of you and the campus ministry there. But one, you're a professor. And absolutely, if we have professors out there, my God, please go. If you're an LCMS Christian, go and hang out with the college students. Be accessible to them. Uh, be available. Don't view yourself as as. I mean, they would. You'll you'll find the same joy that Roni find, found uh, when he started going. But the other thing is, we have such incredible resources. You have a wealth of experience in education, um, and in your field, and then we have grandma and grandpa types that are out there who also have a wealth of experience, 
And and we tell these 18 to 22-year-olds, no, you guys just kind of hit your, throw your ideas off of each other. Why not engage yeah. the wisdom of everybody that's a part of the body of Christ in helping you at this time of transition? Anyways, that's my little soapbox rant for the no, day. No, absolutely. We have a retired couple from Risen Savior in Green Valley who every Friday they come into town to um, have dinner, and then after dinner they come join us for the Bible study. Uh, that. That's so many layers of awesome, I can't tell you. Um, another one yeah. of my ideas. One thing I want to just um, underscore, you talked about professors being involved. That is so important, and not just at the undergraduate level, but at the graduate level as well. Looking at medicine, the, the accepted um, ethical paradigm has shifted so much since I was in medical school. The, the core ethic when I was in medical school was first do no harm, although it was starting to change then. Now it's become let's respect each person's autonomy hmm. or even beyond let's prevent suffering at all costs. Let's avoid suffering at all costs. And what is considered to be ethical, the ethical norm has is it, what has become the ethical norm issues like abortion, euthanasia, are so we we've gone in ways that are chilling and i think it is so important for professional students and i'm giving you medicine as a paradigm because that's what i know sure. best medical students who are being bombarded with this all the time i think and even undergraduates who are pre-med pre-nursing whatever they need role models who are still grounded in scripture and our confessions to really keep them straight and keep them on course so that they're because it's so easy to get pulled away and drift off um drift off to the um to the worldview that's prevalent now and so you don't think it really matters in terms of your involvement with the college students there it doesn't really matter whether or not any of those young people are necessarily in the field that you happen to teach Right. No, I don't think it matters at all. And in fact, the experience that I bring and, and what I see happening in medicine, I think is going to be important to these people, even if they go into engineering, even if they become school teachers, because it's going to pervade their entire lives, yeah. the entirety of their of their existence, really. You know, I was I was joking around with Roni and uh, this uh, when I asked him to be on the radio program about, I don't know, an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had read I read this article today in the College Fix. Um, it's one of these outfits that kind of uh, watches like religious liberty kind of things that prop up on campus. And the the title of it was "No Campus for White Men." And then the the, the rest of the title was "White Male Professor Under Fire Cited as Obstacle to Diversity and Inclusion." Um. I don't even know how to address that, but the, for whatever reason, as funny as it sounds, I, th I thought, hey, I need to have Dr. Roni Grad on the program. <laughs> not because, but get this, not because you're an obstacle to diversity and inclusion, but one of the things that are, those of you that are professors out there and faculty members, staff members on campus, the thing you have to understand is that people have gotten, the secular progressives have gotten so insanely out of control vocal on campus it, we present diversity by simply wanting to be in the midst of this and to be there for our young people and so in, in a way you're actually doing that um, because exactly. the, the church is diverse and uh, I have I have never run across college students 
you know, when they're in junior high, high school, they probably all in their little congregations back home think, where is everybody my age? Everybody here is old, right? Then they get to yeah. college and they're like, holy smokes, everybody's my age. You know, it may just be people like yourself, uh, professor or not, that are a reminder of home, a reminder of the anchors in their life, a reminder of stability in, in kind of a, a crestfallen world where they're in academia, they, they see nobody that really shares their views. And to be able to look out and go, wow, I'm sitting here at a Bible class, at a Bible class with someone with a PhD who's one of the profs at the school I go to, and I'm learning alongside him about the things of God. Yeah. And then in the morning and, we get up and we go our separate ways. He goes to teach and we go to our classes. I mean, to me, that's a powerful, powerful role model and witness. Yeah, PhD, MD, whatever. I mean, I, I totally agree. Sure. I think I, I think it's so important. And I have to tell you, even for people who are listening who are not professors but who are um, who are beyond the college years, just a home-cooked meal, oh, just man. some comfort food goes a long way for these guys. Sure. Even even if it's just, hey, you know, I'm visiting. Hey, you want to, hey, I'm a member, you know, I'm one of the families from your church back home. We were going to be in town. Would you like to go out? Could I take you out for, for coffee some late yeah. morning or, or whatever while I'm in town? Little things like that go a long way. And uh, Absolutely. Well, we're basically, believe it or not, we're already out of time. But uh, wow. anyways, I told you to go fast. Uh, thank you, Dr. Grad. Thank you, Roni, for... Uh, uh, being with us, and thank you for what you do to uh, to give support to all the college students and the campus ministry work being done there at the University of Arizona. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Give glory to God. Take care. Bye bye. Who, oh, Sean? That's all we have time for here. Thank you to all of our professors who support campus ministry. College is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help.